The Dream Theory Podcast, a very special episode because this is celebrating our first anniversary. Yes, we've been doing this podcast for one year and there's a lot to talk about. We're talking hockey, we're talking soccer, we're talking Indianapolis 500. Let's get after it. So we're back. It's a midweek, a little bit of a delay, but we're back in your life. Neil, we are celebrating one year doing this podcast. First off, did you ever think we would make it past a year doing the podcast? Yeah, I thought we'd make it past a year. I I, I, didn't, I didn't think we'd be in the position we are now. I thought we'd still be the only two people who listen to our podcast. That's and true. We, we are. We just maybe have like two or three other people who listen. That's true. And we can't thank the people that join us. You know, as guests, um, listeners, I mean, we're, we're closing in on 2,000 downloads, which is great. Um, people all across the world listening to our podcast, even though, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of the sports card radio guy who, who thrashes a lot of the influencers of, of the sports card hobby. And, you know, as we set out, we never set out to be an influencer type of brand we were always going to straight shoot it, give it how we thought. And just like our sponsors, we're not investing ourselves in anything that we don't believe in. So that's why we bring in people like my slabs, slab saver, nation golf and graded card solutions products. We believe in not just any random people up, you know, off the street. That's right. Oh, and live from Detroit joining us right now. Josh Blackburn, a.k.a. White Freeze Wax. What's going on, guys? What's up? <laughs> uh, actually got the GM building right behind me. So, as so Detroit as you can get right now. Detroit I've ever seen. <laughs> um, no, it smells pretty bad. Don't worry about oh, it. Never mind. <laughs> so... So, Josh, let everybody know why you're up in Detroit right now. Uh, I'm in Detroit to defend uh, your guys' DSX. Doing. But uh, uh, there's an IndyCar race here, and then uh, I work in the IMSA series, and we're racing Saturday and IndyCar's racing on Sunday. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they, is it the duels this weekend? Is that what IndyCar's doing in Detroit? Is it the duels? Uh, they used to do the duels. So they used to have a race day. And that's just like after the 500 weekend, it's, that's just too hard on all the crews. So they're just doing the one race on Sunday. Gotcha. So I'm glad you uh, had the opportunity to join us to talk tonight. we got a lot of things to cover. First off, and I wrote this down this past weekend because this was going to, obviously we're going to step into it, but Real Madrid winning the UEFA Champions League final, their 14th league final, uh, beating Liverpool, end of a Liverpool era with uh, guys like Mo Salah, like what? What was your take on that, Josh? It feels like you know Real Madrid's been on a pretty good run lately. Yeah, and normally you would say it's Real Madrid. They're, of course, they're supposed to win, but they really weren't 
supposed to win this year. Like they weren't really supposed to do that well. Um, uh, they're getting guys like Kareem Benzema, who's probably about 55 years old right now. He's he was scoring headers and game winners almost every single game. And I mean, you think about the road like after the round of uh, like the qualifying round when they got to the round of 16, like they they had to beat what uh, what Man City. Liverpool, PSG, and uh, I forget the other team. But, I mean, it was like a murderer's row, Mm -hmm. and they beat all of them. And they got contributions from, I mean, Luka Modric, he's also like another geriatric that's playing for him. But then in the championship game, you get guys like Vinicius scoring the game winner. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, Almost an end of an era for Liverpool, but I mean they've got so many much talent on there. They're still going to be back, but it's I mean Sadio Mane, who is uh, one of their top scorers. He's he's already said that he's leaving. Um, I think. Am I right to assume that Liverpool was making a run at er, or at Erling Haaland and they didn't get him? Um, I don't know too much about that. I don't think they they would because they've got, I mean, they've got Mosala that they're already like he gets paid more than Holland is going to get paid. So, and that's why Sadio Mane left Liverpool's because he was he's kind of getting tired of being second fiddle to uh, second fiddle to Mosala, and then. I think they decided to get that Luis Diaz uh, in the the winter transfer window um, as kind of something like, hey, we knew we we're going to lose some people, but let's let's get this young guy. So, so flip quick of the coin or or flip of the coin here, Vinicius Junior. So what kind a goal like that? What does that do for someone like him? In the soccer world, well, what I'm noticing is that like all of his, I mean, it just like brings his uh, bring his star status up. I mean, he scores the game winner for the Champions League, so that's that's going to do that. Uh, card prices, like all the like the only Vinicius stuff that I really look at is those those optic rookies and stuff, and those. Those are slowly like, uh, like gained about twenty percent of value, even not even like the optic one, just the regular rated rookie cards. So um, now, is he someone that you would target for, let's say, like the World Cup because he plays for Brazil, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. So he's a he's a Brazilian plays along on alongside Neymar. He's going to be kind of have a the facilitator to Neymar up front. There's a guy yeah, like problem, him. Maybe the, maybe there's an investment opportunity as he picks up steams moving towards the fall. It it is, um, but with with teams like Brazil, they're so stacked, and he you got think he's still a young guy. He's like barely 20 i forget if he's in the 19 to 21 year old range and that brazil team is just stacked 
at every position. So he may not even get that much playing time. So really, I, I personally, I mean, like the only cards that I really go for, for those young guys like that are the rookie cards. And I mean, I, if you've got the budget, I mean, some of them are, are pretty ridiculous price. Like if it's a graded 10, you're going to be paying, you know, a couple hundred bucks at least right now. But, yeah. uh, um, see, it's just hard to, for me, just in, in my opinion, it's hard to base, like, is that going to be a good buy as in like, he's going to get a lot of face time and playing time in the world cup. Now he might, but they still have guys like Neymar and, and other players that like, teams usually like to play their older, more experienced guys, not, not the rookies in big tournaments like that, but we'll see. Going back to Real Madrid, I thought it was a very uh, good point when Real Madrid was playing PSG and the news had kind of come out, you know, Real Madrid had been trying to go after uh, Mbappe and they had thought the deal was done and, and Mbappe was going to move to Real Madrid and then that deal kind of got pulled out from underneath them. And now they're screaming, you know, you know, kind of like back channel stuff and they're trying to sue Mbappe and his management and kind of to stick it to him. And I don't know exactly how the whole soccer world works in deals, you know, future stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But just to have that little dynamic before that game made that game a little bit more sweeter to watch. Yeah. Like uh, it's, I know these aren't the same sports, but it's kind of like this with formula one when drivers switch teams and stuff, they get very like, the old teams that like if a driver leaves from one team to the other, the old team gets very pompous and, and, and it's, it's like a different culture than it's just part of, it's never, it's just part of the business. Like they always take everything very, very personal, which is weird. So, you know, it, there's a lot of hemming and hawing and they like from Real Madrid side and they have to do that to appease their own fans Mm-hmm. Because if their fans think that they've been you know, that they were going to get this guy for a year, and then all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out from them, you got to have someone to blame. And right. and all the the team managers and the owners they don't want to put it on themselves. So they're, I mean, there's a lot of like lip talk, lip service for blaming Mbappe and his managers and stuff. But it's all just to kind of deflect blame. But I personally was shocked that. Mbappe stayed because it just he just seems like he's got like the weight of the world uh, on his home country and and his, his homegrown talent and like it never looks like he's happy playing for him you know and it, it like he's been talking about moving forever but you know that could have just been a negotiation tactic but yeah yeah uh, Isn't it kind of what we're having with Ronaldo too? Is it, didn't he kind of play off the that kind of tactic too about you know testing the waters because he heard Mbappe was going to test the waters and Holland was going to test the waters, so he was like, "Well, I might as well do it." And then he got caught going to Man U when I don't think well, he intentionally wanted to get out of Juventus. Well, I, 
think Juventus is having they're having they're another team that's kind of in the middle of of money problems too, and so that's why like this good American players like Weston McKinney are rumored to be leaving and stuff. Um, but it's uh, also interesting thing about that he was over talking with Man City. He was supposed to go over there first, and then while he was the story that I heard is while he was on his way over there, some of his one of his old teammates or something that texted him and say, hey, if you come back to Man United, you'll be a legend forever, you know? And if you go to Man City, you'll be a devil forever. So, and it was just a last minute because, you know, that's where he started his professional career at. And I, was, I mean, it, it went well for him because he played well, but, but yeah, he did. Man, Man U is a disaster right now. But Right, right. The team is. Yeah, yeah. So let's switch gears real quick. Let's go to hockey. I don't know if you got to watch Josh last night, the Oilers uh, avalanche game. What a shootout back and forth. Um, I'm expecting seven games of this. Like Neil said, no goalies. Obviously, Neil is a big avalanche fan. My father-in-law is an Oilers fan. But, you know, for anybody that does not watch hockey, that says it's a tough watch, it's you got to sit down and watch. Tell me. Watch a playoff game. Watch one period of a playoff game and tell me that it's not something you want to watch. It's great hockey. Not If you don't even understand hockey, it's great entertainment. Uh, hockey's great. Um, I, I only catch the games while in the hotel on the road. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's fast-paced. It's, like, intense. And I, I know a big argument is is people always say, oh, you can't see the puck. You can't see the puck. You can't see what they're doing. And, like, that's that's total BS because, like, if you, can if you can tell me you can see the football every single second that it's being played or being handed off or anything, then, like, that's – yeah, that's a stupid argument to me. But, but uh, agreed. Um, Here's the thing. If you can see like talking behind me and stuff, so it's if you can see a football on Chicago on the Chicago Bears field, you can see a hockey puck on white ice. That's all. Oh I'm yeah, talking. exactly. Because <laughs> that that Chicago Bears field is trash, absolute trash. <laughs> There's not a speck of real grass on that field anymore. Yeah, but, exactly. Now the Avs and the Oilers, it's and and I was talking with you about this, Caleb. It's that's a series that, like, if you're a, like if you're in the hobby, and you're like, oh, I'll watch a little bit of hockey, see what this is all about. Watch that series, and you will be excited about hockey. Mm -hmm. Those are the two best offenses in the entire league going at each other. The goaltending is going to be average at best. But man, there's going to be a lot of exciting plays. And I mean, Caleb, you may think it goes seven. I think it goes five. I just think I think the Avs just have better a better overall team, and I think that's just going to outweigh um, even the offensive firepower that McDavid and Drysaitel have. Mm -hmm. um, I I think they'll it'll be a five game series only because I think from a a matchup standpoint, the Oilers just don't have a defense. I mean, literally, Duncan Keith's like 98 years old, coming from Chicago. You have yeah, he was great with Tyson Chicago, Barry, like 
15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you got Tyson Berry as your other best defender. And Tyson Berry played for the Avalanche, I think, four or five years ago. So it's one of those things where I I see it as a lopsided matchup. But but we're going to get an exciting series, no matter what. However many games it goes through, goes to, it's going to be a super exciting series. And then you got, okay. on the other side, New York Rangers versus Tampa Bay, where it's literally a goaltender battle. Like the goal, like I wouldn't be surprised if each game is one to zero or two to one. Just, I mean, it's those games are going to be insane. There's, there's just going to be so much great defense and goaltending, and it's, it's like a battle of Eastern Conference defense versus Western Conference explosive offense. Um, sets up for a pretty good finals for the NHL. So I'm more excited about that than I am the NBA finals, to be honest. I think, yeah. It, it, I think the NBA finals are getting overshadowed by hockey. I mean, the NBA finals or the NBA playoffs have been so bad this year. I mean, blowouts, the heat, the heat uh, Boston series was one of the worst series of all times, because if you're looking for, you know, star power, it's like every time, every game, one of the big name guys is out or, or like you said, it's a blowout. There's no close games. It's all, you know, terrible terrible basketball so yep. the nhl has been super fun to watch and getting to catch a game last night was uh was great to uh great to really see um <clears throat> breaking news that happened within the last hour josh i don't know if you've heard this but a uh, former dallas cowboy running back marion barber was found dead in a house today oh wow so no, no word on on foul play on how he would how he uh, passed away, uh, but T's and P's to his friends and family. Marion Barber was a pretty darn good running back for the Dallas Cowboys and for the Chicago Bears. Um, so that's tough, especially two two pretty good uh, NFL players gone in this week alone. You have the kid from. Uh, the Cardinals, who was drafted by uh, by the uh, Vikings in the first round in, two, in 2020, that was killed in Dallas in a car accident. Um, so it's you know been kind of a tough week for for NFL players back and forth. So yeah, pretty pretty rough. Yep. Um, card wise, Josh uh, uh, Neil finally moved his Kai Havertz. Yeah, I had to move it. I just, just had to get it. It's not that. It's I'm, not that I'm I disappointed don't like in soccer and the long term potential, but I just have no patience. I'm just going to go out and say it. I just I don't have the patience to wait that long right now. I, I think I I just I like to stick to my guns and I like football. I like I like the some of the QBs coming up. I think there's a lot more hype that I think I can burn, turn and burn a little quicker. So is what it is. Hey, stick I, what you know. So, it's, yeah, it's, I, so, exactly. So sticking exactly. with what you know is great, but I want to know is how all of a sudden, if if you scroll through Josh's Instagram and he's you know fairly fairly new to the card game, the amount of likes he has on soccer cards and stuff like that is like double and triple of what I have on my page, and I've been doing it for for five six years. Well, Caleb, that's just because your cards suck. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Sounds like we need to I, pick a new hobby or, or a new set of cards to collect. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. 
That's true. That's true. All right. Should we yeah. get into the fun fun topic of the day? Yes. Yes, I think. Right. Here we go. Topic of the day, and this is the uh, title of the podcast: Is the Indianapolis 500 the most overrated motorsporting event in the world? Now, obviously, someone has to play Shannon Sharp. Someone has to be Skip Bayless. So you two are obviously on the side of it is not Neil. Obviously, has family ties that worked in IndyCar for a while. Josh obviously worked in IndyCar for a good period of his life. Even though I am in racing, I am going to take the side of it is the most overrated motorsporting event in the world. Now, I want you to, Neil, you can go first. No, 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 no. You're going to go ahead and explain to everybody why your delusional thoughts okay. Thank are you. coming out on Thank this podcast. You. Sure. Yeah. So why don't you lead the way with your stupidity? Okay, so I will. So if it is the if it's the granddaddy of them all, if it is the biggest motorsporting event in the world, tell me why since 1995 it is only out televised the Daytona 500 one time, one time. I was just talking about American audiences right there. So okay. That- so then if it's the greatest motorsport in the world where the best drivers come to compete, why is it that the Indy 500 can't feel a full field and they have to gain, get with other teams to make a 33rd car? Tell me why there are not drivers from different disciplines who take the month of May off to come in and race this quote unquote greatest spectacle in racing. And now, just like you said with the winner, Erickson of this weekend, Nobody knows who he is unless you're a really super strong race fan who knows he's he has a hundred plus Formula One starts. He's a legit driver. But if you went around the 500 track and polled a hundred people, how many of them could tell you who VK is or Sage Karam? But besides the Indianapolis fans, who could tell you who Connor Daly is? Because I think the difference is it's not a spe- it, it's there's a difference between a racing event and a spectacle. A racing event is where people care about the race. I'm going to say 70% of the people at the track don't give a shit about the race. They give a shit about the snake pit, wearing American flag stuff, cutting mullets, stuff like that. Not even caring about what's in the race. Yeah, it's cool, the pageantry, this and that and this and that. But when it comes down to it, it's about racing. And to me, it's not there. Go ahead, Josh. Uh, I mean, some of that stuff, you kind of just described the Super Bowl right there. I mean, how many people in the stands of the Super Bowl are actually paying attention? I mean, it's uh, most of them are celebrity show. celebrities. Yeah, that's a celebrity show. But... uh. But no, and there there are definitely problems with it, but like I think everything has to turn into a spectacle now. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um like three hundred, four hundred thousand people still show up for it. Like that you don't get that for any other event in the world. So that right there is a big thing. And yeah, I could tell people in my section that I was sitting, no one, no one other than me, really. And there's, you can see whoever's a diehard IndyCar fan, you can tell, but 
like no one knew who Marcus Erickson was. And I think most people race fans be like, Marcus, Marcus who? And they're like, oh yeah, he used to be an F4. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Cause he, he was in the first season or two of that uh, drive to survive uh, Netflix show. But, and I mean, and also Husky chocolate is sponsor. You can't buy it anywhere because it's Swedish. It's pretty much just a money laundering scheme for some billionaire out in Sweden. So it's you think that's a joke, but it's not. No, but I mean, most most racing sponsors are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Nikita um, Massapin. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, it's I mean, three hundred thousand people show up. It's uh, and like we can get real deep into it with like the, the open wheel split in 95 and that like splitting the audience and most people going out, I don't care about it anymore if they're going to bring politics in it. But, but just talking about like the actual racing, the stuff on the track, it is, that is like still the best racing that's out there. Like, especially on, on the day where you watch like, cause formula one races at Monaco the same day. And, NASCAR races at Charlotte the same day. And I respect both those. I mean, I respect all racing, especially Formula One. But, I mean, that was a parade in Monaco. Like, that, that is a spectacle. Like, that track doesn't pass any FIA standards if you tried to make it right now. They only do that because it's, you know, they all can stay in five-star hotels and, and have their parties and stuff. But when you look at the actual on-track stuff at Indy, you had a guy, Paddle Award, trying to pass Marcus Erickson on the last lap going into turn one on the outside. And you had three cars right behind him waiting for him to screw up so they could pass him. So, I mean, that was after 200 laps still. So that's like, and, and in Monaco, you had four cars nose to tail for the last 20 laps and you knew nothing was going to happen because they can't pass on that track. So, and, and the NASCAR stuff, I said, I respect it before, but I really don't. That's boring. It's that stuff is it's terrible. It's little box cars running around a circle track. Yeah. And I don't mind circle track because Indy's a circle track, but it, it's just, there's no, there's nothing to it. Yeah. No yeah. talent. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, bumper it's bumper boats on a track. And yeah, I mean it takes talent to drive those indie cars around there. I mean you could you could see that with the the four or five wrecks that came out of nowhere just because a gust of wind blew and and what, Grosjean was one of them that uh that spun and hit the wall because of it. I mean Jimmy Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, what Jimmy Johnson was a seven time champion for nascar and this was now he did great the whole month of may up until up until the race but as soon as the green flag started he dropped like a stone and he was down in like 25th place the whole race yep but uh i mean it's just it's hard to explain the whole pageantry and like the whole like event without you being there all he says if you if you show up to that event you will love it and want to go the rest of your life like 
100 percent yeah from the coca-cola lot all the way to the state or all the way to the track oh yeah there, there is a lifetime of of events you see on the way there that are worth coming back for oh yeah oh yeah and hell i don't even care about the people in the snake pit like the kids that are just having fun with that i mean they still all had to pay to get in there so it's i think it's i think it's awesome that they have a big old concert there like they had dead mouse and steve aoki playing that like those are big names so but uh i mean you got to do different stuff to keep people's attention on it now and keep people wanting to go and i think they're they're doing that with that snake pit the, the whole concert stuff on but but does that not water down the pageantry that is supposed to be this you know I think it just changes no, it. it's all a part of it think about monaco monaco's entire purpose is every if every celebrity goes there just to look cool yeah they don't watch the race it's not about the race it's about being at the race mm-hmm. it's the same thing here i'll give you the numbers i have the numbers from nbc's broadcast oh, yeah. 500 so. 2.69 nielsen rating with 4.618 million views the NASCAR event the same day, 2.2 Nielsen rating with 3.89 million views. Formula One Monaco, 0.76 Nielsen rating with 1.39 million views. That's also Monaco was on at nine o'clock in the morning. No, Monaco was delayed till 10. Okay, so 10. So they had an extra hour to get more views. So Either way, IndyCar still down a million and a half views from the year before. And uh, here's yeah, but- another here's another part of my beef that will go with that. If this is the biggest sporting event in the world, why is it still blacked out on local television? Don't tell me it's because the seats aren't filled because this is the supposed to be the the packedest race of all time. But I have to drive a hundred miles outside of the circle of Indianapolis to see it. I mean, was it black? I didn't. I thought it wasn't. It's all money. Out. It's the it's same reason. Out. It's the same exact reason why they black out your local Columbus Blue Jackets game when I'm here in Columbus. It's all. And, it's all about money. It's all about yeah, money. Yeah. They and, black it out so that way you go to the game. And and that too, I think. Like I don't. I'm not going to try and make a, excuses. I mean, those TV numbers, if you want to compare them, they're not great, obviously, but. If no, but, number, but here's the other thing. Miami, so F1, when they came to Miami, and that was supposed to be the biggest the biggest spectacle that F1's ever had, 2.7, 2.7 million views. Yeah. That was it. But, but F- uh, F1's I not mean, an American sport. Okay, well, I'm just telling you, it, it's Indy's, not, Indy's, not, Indy's not supposed to be a world sport, but the Indy 500 is. But also you got to look at, like, what are kids our age – what are they getting all their kids our age? I'm 40 <laughs> years old. Kids, kids today, like they're get they're not watching ABC. You know, they're not watching. I mean, yes, at the bars they'll go watch it, but like uh, Neil, you were talking about uh, you know the Nielsen ratings for the F1 race. But if you go on YouTube. A half an hour after they've posted like the the highlights oh, of it, it's got like four and a half million views already. So, it, like, you know, I, I don't I don't like getting stuck on just Nielsen ratings. I mean, IndyCar, the 
the an Indy car's viewing does not match that at all. Like they get a couple hundred thousand views afterwards, but it's but you see all these like watch parties, like these YouTube watch parties and stuff for the race, like for kids that are in their twenties. Uh, there's that video game, the the iRacing uh, simulator and stuff. The groups of those guys, they get and race their own 500 and then like have watch parties for that stuff right afterwards. I mean, it's like I admit IndyCar, the Indy 500 died off for about a good five to 10 years in the late 90s, early 2000s. But like it's coming back like the kids, kids growing up now, they just have different ways of watching it. So it's. I'm just using it as a standardized measurement because that's the only oh, thing yeah. we have for true standardized measurement. Yes. The yeah. fact is, you're talking about a race that happens once a year. If you pick any race in across America, it beats out F1, and that's the, and and if we're going to just talk about the hobby, it beats out F1 two to one. Oh yeah. And it doesn't matter what F1 race there is. I would I would only hope so because. For the past how many years, there's only been one F1 race in America. Yeah, but I'm talking about Monaco, which is supposed to be... Monaco is supposed to be, you know, F1's big race. That's that's the comparison I'm making. The point, the, the point is, I mean, you don't have 106 runnings of the Indy 500 and not be some kind of spectacle or some kind of, you know... Something people want to watch. I mean, the Kentucky Derby runs the beginning of May or end of April, something like that. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you who won it, but I watched the race like that. Yeah, just everybody it's does. Something to yeah, it's some especially if you bet on it, you watch yeah. it. But I couldn't I couldn't tell you who won. I couldn't tell you anything about the race. But. It, like it's an event that doesn't make it a bad thing, you know. Yeah, half the old people still think Seabiscuit's still running. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, it's a thing to wear your big hat. That's all it is. If if things keep happening, you have to change some of the pageantry, the pre-race stuff, the no balloons. Obviously, Jim Neighbors have passed away a couple years ago. If things like that have to, you know, continuously change with the times, does that help or hurt? I mean, I think it helps. I mean, pageantry for when the race started in 1911 was a balloon race. I mean, we don't do that anymore for a reason, you know? And I mean, not like like blow-up balloons. It was like hot air balloons. They had like hot air balloon races. But that, I mean, it, it just, people's attention and interest change. I mean, we've got uh, F-22 Raptors flying overhead for the start of the national anthem that's pretty badass like i you got to keep changing things to keep up with the times or otherwise you're going to be left behind you know yeah like baseball they just die off exactly exactly nobody wants to be baseball how do you get back to the point where the best drivers in the world race that race you have a indy car drive to survive show and you know they were offered and, that they were actually offered that before f1 was and they turned it down which is well, there's your answer yeah which no, is but, I, but i'm saying like how do you get you know throw out a, a nascar indy car or nas any form of driving discipline a kyle larson 
who I think is the only other person that you could probably throw in any single car that he could probably drive. Or oh, if yeah. Brian, if Brian Clausen was still alive, him, him still, still running the Indy 500, or a current top name. F1 what what guy. I would, the biggest thing that I would change, and I'm, I'm sure they have the ability to do that, is is like prize money and stuff. Because right now, the prize money is, it's there, but it's not prestigious. Because it's about a million bucks, just to enter in the car, and. Like that's why that was that's an answer to your question as to why it's so hard to fill 33 cars, because if you're the 34th or 35th entry, like how are you going to tell? Say you do have a sponsor that barely pays like half a million dollars, which is still a lot of money, and then you don't qualify for the race. You've just wasted a half a million dollars. So, like it it needs to be if you qualify for the race, you get a million dollars. So that's why, because, I mean, right now you could convince like Richard Childress racing or someone to get put a Chevy car in there. But uh, he even had a quote back in like the early 2000s. Why would I spend a million and a half dollars just to win 300,000? Like that doesn't make any sense. But uh, I mean, if they got to where the prize money was like the winner got like 5 million and and if you you at least qualified you get a million like that we would get like different team owners and and different drivers going like hey maybe this is worth a shot here you know so i mean yet fernando alonso when he his first race at the 500 he was still driving for mclaren and he was just so miserable driving that piece of shit car at mclaren that uh i mean michael andretti was smart enough to to float the idea to him because they were they were using honda engines the same as mclaren at the time and like that was a huge huge deal when he came over and uh it, the two couple years after that were not as as successful for him but uh yeah and I mean, this year you had Jimmy Johnson. Like, over the last couple of decades, that's the biggest name in NASCAR, other than Jeff Gordon. But, uh, I mean, it's – right now they have, a, like, the product on the track – Neil, I think you would agree with me with this. Like, the product on the track just makes it better. Like, it it's already is good. I think it's when the pageantry is there to distract – from how shitty the product is on the track, like Monaco, that's when you have a problem. But when the product on the track, like just makes everything better, that that's when I'm not worried about the event. It's, it's hard not to get a little bit excited when a car's going 243 miles an hour. Oh yeah. Right into a 90 degree turn. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> And and they're not they're not pulling off the gas. They're just going straight into it full gas. I mean that's that's I mean if that doesn't tickle your balls a little bit, then you got something wrong with you. Especially if there's thirty of them and they're yeah. all nose to tail. Like that's what's yeah. crazy about the and race. It's not NASCAR where you years. can just bump and bump a grind and bumper boat your way through. You, you I mean you touch someone's wheel, you're gonna go two hundred and twenty miles an hour into a fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes a little bit of skill. 
All right, Caleb, what 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 if racing event is better than the 500? Me and you want to hear this psychopath answer of yours. Well, let's define what's better. Are we talking about a racing event or are we talking about the entire show? Because the way you guys are, are pushing up the 500, it's not just the race. It's the lead up to it. It's the pre-race. It's the race. It's the post-race. It's tradition. Yeah, yeah. Super Bowl's tradition too. Yeah, yeah. And you've got and everybody appreciates up. having the Pro Bowl until it turned out to be a shit show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody liked having the Pro Bowl the week before. Everybody liked seeing the forty-yard dash and the, the people Bowl. trying to throw their arms off, and then a bench press contest where Larry Allen's putting up eighty reps. People love that stuff, and then it just it went to crap. But I can't but they, think of they another racing event that that is like a complete package, like the twenty-four hour Le Mans. See now you're now you're getting now you're hitting me in the the heart. So uh, uh, hopefully I'll be able to experience it next year. Uh, but I would say that that has just as much pageantry. If like, I've only seen the pre-race and stuff for that one time, but that, yeah, that's right up there with the 500. To I, me, that's that's the top of the top of the motorsports world. Without 24-hour Le Mans, there is no motorsports world. I, in a global sense, yes, I would say that. I would agree with that because I mean, if you think about it, next year just manufacturer participation yeah because indy only has chevy and honda and next year like every manufacturer is going to be at le mans and in in like the main top tier he's going to have acura he's going to be in w lamborghini toyota uh bmw audi porsche is going to be i mean it they're all going to be back i mean it's going to be huge so yeah but I mean, if you watch the pre-race for that stuff, I mean, they're green. They don't have a green flag. They they fly the France flag for the start of the race. So I mean, they they do just as much pageantry over there as we do. So, do you think maybe it's maybe the reason why it doesn't have its the 500 doesn't have its luster anymore is it's it's becoming more. I guess Americanized to just pure tradition of American racing rather than picking up the global entertainment. Is that kind of where you're coming from, Caleb? I think so. I think it's more of turning into uh, the Indy 500 and the Brickyard, which the Brickyard doesn't hold freaking nuts to the 500. Like 500's here, Brickyard's like toilet bowl water. Like it's 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 a it's a giant American meme of. Do you remember when the Brickyard was actually Indianapolis more popular than the 500? For a yeah, group? that's kind of during for the a cart, couple years. During the cart years. Oh, yeah, but that's still amazing to think now because they can't even get twenty thousand people into the Brickyard now. No, no, but to like to finish the point to you, Neil. It's every time I see it, it's a. It's a great American meme of cut off shorts and can I 
can I take my chest hair and and type five hundred into it? Then can we can we, can we respect its tradition as that's what it is? It's about America more so than it is a global spectacle now. Maybe it's America's spectacle. I mean, it's it's on Memorial Day weekend. Yes, I mean it's a it's a I would say it's an American spectacle now when back. In the 70s and 80s, it was more of a global type thing. Think of the guys who won the race. Yeah. I I think just like with anything, it's lost most of its pop culture uh, relevance. And that means a global thing, too. But, uh, I mean, I would would agree with someone with, with that statement you did. You said, Caleb. I would agree with that. But it, it, it's like, you know, let's say you call it Americanized instead of global. It's like, what if, you know, let's say the pace car driver for the 500 was Mbappe. How many of those people would at the 500 would know who Mbappe was? Probably us zero. Three. Probably us three and four other people. But that's so. What's funny about that, though, is if you took that, if you took that same analogy and then you put it into like F1. Uh-huh. People would know who Mbappe is, for sure. Well, yeah, for sure. You know? So maybe it's just everything has cycles. So maybe it's just a cycle now where F1 is. Because I remember back, you know, twenty years ago, F1 was kind of like, no one oh, cared. there goes Michael Schumacher yeah. again. Michael who, gives, Schumacher. who gives a shit about F1? And no one, no one really gave a ton of care about it until it came to Indianapolis. Then everyone got sour when F1 and Indianapolis got into it, and then it kind of died in America for a long time. Yeah. And then you had, and then right after, or right during that time period, you had the rise of, like, NASCAR with Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr., those guys, and Rusty Wallace. Like, those guys were, you know, carrying NASCAR, carrying motorsports, and then now it's, I mean, I think it's just, I think we're we're right in the middle of a wave in which kind of IndyCar is down. Speaking of, since we've been talking about it real quick, staying on the kind of the F1 train that I'm thinking about. So uh, Monaco's, that was the last race under their contract. There's the, yeah. the, the, the tracks that are under, that have no more contracted races are Monaco, Spa, Mexico, and I think there's one or two more. Um, so if you're adding Las Vegas next year, you have to take a race out because with the new budget caps, there's no way you can stretch a team one more race longer. Like, look at the Haas guys. They've, they wrecked both cars in Monaco. Like, like, yeah. like Mick cut his car in half. Yeah. So whatever that replacement cost is. So what race is not going to come back next year? If we say that, you know, and even the announcers say it, people don't like Monaco because there's no passing. Is is that the race that gets cut? Even though it is, you know, F1 tradition. I, I, it, yeah. I I don't know. I would say there's no way. I would say there's no way in hell that it happens, but. I mean, they've cut, like they've cut Spa off the schedule before, and Spa is is like another, like, great track that everyone loves going to. Um, that it's it it astounds me that they're 
making money off of all these street circuits because IndyCar tried doing that. And it seems great. And our first event everywhere, like we had that race in Baltimore a couple times and it sells out. They get a lot of people there. But what happens is you've got all these uh, subcontractors who don't end up getting paid because like, I mean, you have to set all the barriers out. You have to clear all the downtown streets. You've got to do paving beforehand. You got, and if that pot at the end, like, yeah, we sold a hundred thousand tickets. That's great. So the, yeah, we've got like three and a half million dollars that we brought in. Okay. Well, we've got to pay these contractors $900,000 for all the work they did. That was a boat. Sorry. There's a, there's a boat right over there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and, and so like, that's why we don't have any new street circuits for IndyCar or anything because they never make any money. Mm -hmm. So I don't, it's, I, I don't see how this Vegas thing is going to work, but I didn't see how the, the Miami thing is going to work. It's cheaper. The street circuit's obviously cheaper than building a whole new facility. But if you think at Vegas, Vegas is built on a grid system. If you look at the streets, they're just a bunch of squares where if you take like Long Beach, at least it's built on roads that are out near the water that aren't major access roads. You're going yeah. to take the main road of Las Vegas and have to shut it down. One, how are the casinos going to like take this? Because 18 of the casinos on the strip are by two companies. So whatever they're getting, you know, money wise has to be going to sponsor it. You would think so. Yeah, that would be a. And then you're not just shutting them down for that weekend. You got to shut them down for, or you got to have major construction on there for a good like month. Yeah, altogether. So who was it that took DraftKings as a sponsor? Was it a prominent name? Is it a sports team or is it like I think it might be Bryson DeChambeau? Could be. So Deshambo sure. takes DraftKings as a sponsor. Why wouldn't a casino go out and sponsor an F1 race that could potentially make them millions of dollars? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. There's, there's, I don't. There's so a lot of I mean, trickiness there. I would, you would think so. Like if you know, if it's the MGM Grand, how come it's not the MGM, you know, Formula One at Las Vegas or something like that? Whatever It might be by the time next year rolls around. Yeah, whatever the ridiculous number is. But if you look at the track itself, like, they're going to have to legitimately modify some things with the street because it's got 90-degree turns. It's got swoopers where Las Vegas, like we just said, is a grid system. So whatever Maybe you they redo the airport a little bit. Oh, and they're going to have to repave every, yeah. like, because Formula One, those guys are, as talented as they are, they're whiny pieces of crap. Cause, yeah, they are. Like, the, the they Austin, do not like rough roads. Oh, and, and what they consider rough, like, we're in Detroit here. Like, our drivers are just, their heads are bouncing up and down nonstop at this track. And, like, the Miami surface is smooth as glass, and they were complaining nonstop about that. It's like, come on, what are you guys talking about? And yeah, the Austin track got a little bit bumpy, and those guys were saying, complaining about how dangerous that stuff was. They're going to have to repave like all of downtown Las Vegas to get yeah, it. And 
F1 bought 43 there. acres for 100 million for the paddock. So having that yeah. there, like, just have the paddock in the casinos. That's it's it. Just, there yeah, we go. Yeah, it's gonna throw be it up top. Paddock. Throw it in the top of the casino. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Build like, it higher. There's that roller coaster in one of the hotels, like, just, or when it's casinos. Just have the drivers race around that New York, that New York. thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think Josh, got how, a good idea. How plausible or feasible do you think it's going to be of Andretti getting a Formula One team? I think it's inevitable, but there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Like I, I'm not going to say too much about it, but it's a lot of promises and not a lot of money that's going to be exchanging hands. Do you think have. Chip Ganassi and Pinsky try and take over and make a team? Uh, they I got don't more think money. They want to. Those guys, Ganassi and Ganassi and and Penske, they're businessmen. Like they they run their teams off like the profits of their other businesses. And Michael Andretti, he he is a smart businessman. I'm not going to take that from him, but his business is the race team. So, uh. So is getting ready, like, getting rid of Alexander Rossi the smart move? I think it was more Rossi wanting to leave, because mm. I mean he signed his his extension a couple years ago and hasn't come close to winning a race since. So it and now he's moving to McLaren, which is, uh, I mean they've McLaren's overtaken Andretti as the number two, number two or three team in IndyCar. So that's. There's that, but yeah, uh, like Andretti was really close to getting Alpha, like taking over the Alfa Romeo team, uh, like this last year. But the I think the board for Alfa Romeo kind of they were like, wait, there's no money exchanging hands here. It was all like stock options and and like business jargon, but there there wasn't going to be any money, so. Because you have to have like hundreds of millions. It's basically buying like a franchise. You need to have hundreds of millions of dollars to do that. And I know for a fact that they don't. I mean, that's it's insane. But he's got his Andretti name, so that gives him a lot of leeway for that stuff. But it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I'm not saying anything shady is going on, but I'm just saying if no one, we would be laughed out of the building if we tried to bring the same if we tried to start a team in the same way that Andretti is going to. I mean, it's yeah. Neil, you want to start an F one team? We will give you um, we will give you fifty five percent of the shares of our stock of our race team after we get started. Like huh? what? Okay. So maybe maybe they just say, you know what, we're bringing NTT NTT IndyCar to F one. Ganassi, Pinsky, Andretti, they all form a team together. Not a chance those three work together. I, I, I know. That's their best uh, bet, though, because there's nobody else who I think can bring in the money. What a, Any truth to the rumor are you hearing of Daniel Ricciardo and NASCAR next year? There might be a chance he does like a couple races. They don't, I would think you would do the 500 before a NASCAR race. I can agree with that. Um, and what makes that plausible is he drives for McLaren. 
Yeah. So it, that owns an IndyCar team. I mean, it's it's the same McLaren guy. Um, Zach Brown. Yeah. Bring uh, Pierre Gasly on to McLaren. McLaren moves Ricardo over to the IndyCar series. So Pierre Gasly can wreck that car as hard as he can. Pierre Gasly is not going to be in an IndyCar. Half those guys are so. No, no, no. Move Pierre. him. Move him into McLaren's spot next to Lando. Move Ricardo over to IndyCar. I would like it. Ricardo is not doing well in this new car. No. So, I mean, bring him to Indy. I'd love it. I think how do you? How do you think Kimi Raikkonen's going to do in that NASCAR at Watkins Glen? Oh yeah, Kimi. Yeah, Kimi's doing, Kimi. He he's just old. He doesn't give a shit anymore. So yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> do it for no fun. will to win. But I hope he does well. It'll be interesting. Um, but all uh, right. my phone's dying, and uh, I think I, it's a good time to wrap up. All right, I have to cool. get off of here. All right. Well, appreciate it, Josh joining us from Detroit. Um, Neil, obviously, like always, got to thank our sponsors, MySlabs.com. Buy and sell all your slab cards, comic books, sealed wax, up to 1% fees. It's the web's premium marketplace for collectors and investors. Uh, slab savers, go to ProtectYourSlab.com. Use code DREAM3 to get 10% off your order. Graded card solutions, ship your cards safely at GradedShip.com. Use code DREAM3. 15 to get 15% off your order and nationgolf.com. Join the fellowship at nationgolf.com. Once again, thank you guys for always joining us. This is our one year anniversary of the podcast. Here's to another year, boys, and we will keep after it. Until next week, we will see you later.